Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The yeah, 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 keeping the faith. Addition, as the Bengals even the record at 3-3 after beating Seattle 17-13. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, locker room comments from players and coaches, and post-game analysis from Dave Lapham. Then, in this week's Fun Facts conversation, you'll get to know one of the Bengals' DJs. Is it DJ Ivy, DJ Reader, or DJ Turner? Stick around to find out. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet, designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. Now, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since Paul Rasconi. Paul was my father-in-law, and he passed away last Thursday at the age of 83. I've often said that I won the in-law lottery because Paul and my mother-in-law, Marge, are incredible people. Paul was the first member of his family to go to college, and after graduating with honors, he served in the Army, where he rose to the rank of captain. After his military service, he had a highly successful career in finance and traveled all over the world on business while raising six kids. He was a smart, funny, open-minded, and thoughtful man and a huge sports fan. Since he grew up near Boston, Paul was a big Red Sox and Patriots guy, but he also adopted my teams and became New England's biggest Bengals and Bearcats fan. He also introduced me to one of my all-time favorite desserts, grape nut pudding. He was a great man who lived a remarkable life, and there has never been a more supportive father-in-law. Now, let's get to football and the radio replays from the Bengals' nail-biting win over the Seahawks. First and goal from the one. It's a handoff to Kevin Walker, and he goes into the end zone. Kenneth Walker, I beg your pardon, he goes into the end zone, standing up for the Seattle touchdown. So after a bye week, offensive coordinator Shane Waldron had a lot of time to plot out the opening drive, and it was a beauty for Seattle. First and goal from the eight of Seattle. 228 left in the first quarter. Shotgun snap to Burrow. He wants to pass his throw. Caught! Tyler Boyd lurches into the end zone. Touchdown! Bengals as the Bengals go 75 yards on 14 plays for an opening touchdown. On first and goal, Burrow catches the shotgun snap, fakes a handoff to Mixon, bouncing in the pocket, rolling to his left, penalty flag down. He fires a strike, caught in the end zone by Andre Yosivash. There's a penalty flag at the four. It was thrown pretty early. It's holding on Seattle. That touchdown's going to stand. This will be a 55-yard field goal try, and if he misses it, the Bengals will start from their own 45. Jason Myers is the kicker. The punter is the holder. The 55-yard kick on its way, and it is good. good. 9.24 left in the third quarter. The Bengals have a 14-10 lead. Geno Smith to throw. Fires downfield. Mike Hilton intercepts it at the four-yard line. Mike Hilton jumping in front of Jackson Smith and Jigba, the rookie out of Ohio State. And the Bengals 
get it back after the Burrow interception on a pick by Mike Hilton. Second down and nine Seahawks. Geno Smith back to throw. He throws it up the seam pick and it. it's intercepted. Yeah, baby. A diving pick by Cam Taylor Britt. He's running back to the 40, the 35, nice. and he gets tackled at the 34 of Seattle. This will be a 52-yard attempt for Evan McPherson. He is 16 for 20 in his career from 50-plus, remarkable 80%. Robbins ready to hold. The Bengals trying to push the lead to four from 52 yards away. The snap, the placement, the kick, it's on its way. Get and there, baby. It is yeah. good. Yeah. Geno Smith with Charbonnet in the backfield. Fourth and goal from the six. Smith to throw. Finish. Pump fake. Yeah. Sacked yeah. At the 15 yard line. Nice. Sam Hubbard brings down Geno Smith, and the Bengals take over with 2.03 to go. How about the H boys on that particular drive? Trey Hendrickson with a huge sack. Sam Hubbard with a huge fourth down sack. That's two red zone drives. The Seattle Seahawks have scored squad douche. There are more than 65,000 seats here at Baycor Stadium. Right now, none of them are being used. Fourth and seven from the eight. Geno Smith back to throw. Finish. Looking. Yeah. yeah. The ball squirts forward, and the Bengals fall on it at the eight-yard line. That is Coffin Nails. Bam, bam, bam. You have Sam Hubbard and Hill. Hubbard and Hill. Two more H boys. You got Henderson, Hill, Hubbard, all the H boys making plays, pressuring the quarterback down the stretch of the game. Bengals fans from coast to coast can breathe a sigh of relief. The Bengals are back to 500. And Joe Burrow gets another week to rest his calf as Cincinnati beats Seattle today by the final score of 17 to 13. It wasn't a masterpiece, especially on offense, but this isn't figure skating. There are no style points. Here's head coach Zach Taylor. I, I texted Steve Specht yesterday, the St. X coach. You know, they had, a, they had a win on the road, and I said, great job. And he said, it's better to win ugly than, than lose pretty. And, I mean, that was the first thing that hit me when I walked off the field today was at times it felt ugly, um, especially on offense. But, but again, our defense stepped up and, and made some big plays for us that allowed us to get out of there. Here's a closer look at what the Bengals' defense did in the low red zone in the second half. On the Seahawks' first possession of the third quarter, they got to the three-yard line, and didn't score. On their next drive, they got to the four-yard line and settled for a field goal. Then, trailing by four on their final two possessions of the game, the Seahawks got to the six-yard line and didn't score, then got to the nine-yard line and didn't score. That's four drives where Seattle got inside the 10 and scored a total of three points. One of the defensive heroes was Cam Taylor Britt. On his 24th birthday, he had an interception and three pass breakups. And I talked to him after the game. We're in the locker room with a guy they call Juice, Cam Taylor Britt. A huge interception as the Bengals make one big defensive play after the other down to stretch to hold on and win. Tell me about what you guys did in the red zone in this game. And we just had to hold up. We, we always realized, you know, yards don't equal points. And uh, they had the opportunity to be in the red zone, you know, four times, I believe, and ended up with just three points out of those four. So, you know, we just really harp on that. Uh, you know, we got to, you know, stand in toes and, you know, stand our ground with that. 
And it wasn't just the red zone, it was the low, low red zone. Yeah. They were like inside the five or inside the ten, four times in six drives in the second half and got three points. That's amazing. That's how you hold up, man. It's bingo defense. Tell me about the interception because not only did you come up with a diving pick, but your run back led to the field. Yeah, man, uh, I, it's something that I got early on in the game. Uh, I got the same route, and, you know, once I just seen the inside release, I felt it coming. Uh, he doesn't run too many routes, so, you know, his, his route tree is re very limited. So once he went inside, I already knew what was coming, and I just literally, you can see on film, I just ran underneath it, and, yeah, the ball was coming. Yeah. Two weeks, two picks, Come they're on. up. Yeah, we got to keep it going. It feels good. How about being 3-3 three and three after an 0-2 start and now going into the bye with kind of a fresh start and a 500 record? Yeah, it's back to 0-0 zero, zero how I look at it. Uh, I think that's how a lot of guys look at it. Uh, like you said, a fresh start. You know, we got to come back after the bye, you know, and just keep our foot on, you know, a lot of people's necks because it's not going to be easy, as we can see today. Uh, and we got the 49ers coming up, you know, right after the bye. There were so many plays in the low red zone where they got to Geno Smith. As you're covering in those situations, do you hear a roar and realize they got to the quarterback? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I was actually guarding DK on one of them. Uh, I think a back line route. And they actually threw the ball to me, but the ball was altered because I think Sam or Trey got back there. But I knew the ball got altered because I heard the crowd. In my bad. Because I heard the crowd, so I looked, and the ball was coming. I was oh, all right. So, you know, it does give me a little tips in there and there. I hear ball calls all the time, man. Make me snap the head around. A lot of guys are waving their arms to get the crowd to make a lot of noise. Did that make a difference in the red zone? Man, it was huge today, man. I can honestly say I couldn't hear a thing. And I believe that's great. You know, I was just going to line up, give me a signal, and I got to play. Uh, it, the communication was real hard out there towards the end of the game, but, you know, that's why, you know, that's what we stand in, man. We, we live for those moments. Congrats on the win. Enjoy the bye. Thank you. Thank you. The Bengals finished with four sacks and 13 quarterback hits. Sam Hubbard had one of the sacks and five of the hits on Geno Smith. Here's Sam with Dave Lapham. Five trips in the red zone. Three times they scored no points. You guys had an interception in the red zone. You stopped them on downs twice in the red zone. They kicked the field goal, scored a touchdown. Five red zone possessions, 10 points. It's going to win you a lot of football games. We did it this week. We got a big challenge after the bye. We're going to enjoy this one for 24 hours and look forward to getting our bodies right for San Francisco. So this offense... What was the what was the key to shutting this offense down? What what you have to do to take this this offense out of their game? You got to be physical. We got to be gap sound. Their run game is a incredible. Um, you know, really great weapons on the outside. We had to play our best defense, tackling wise, fundamental wise, and uh, get some turnovers. And we did that today. You guys played complimentary football when the when the uh, offense had to step up their first two possessions. They did score. You, you backed the offense up when it needed you. Defense, the offense backed the defense up when you guys needed them. Was it a good sign to see complimentary football like that today? Yeah, definitely. We know there's going to be a time where we're, we're not playing our best and the offense is going to pick us up. And that's the beauty of being on a good team with good players and good people that want to play for each other. And it's fun being out there with those guys. How big is it, Sam, to get a win like this? And to go into the bye week like you talked about. Now you're three and three. You climb back out of the little bit of a hole. You're three and three getting into that bye. It's huge, man. It's what we needed. It's what we talked about. And I'm happy we got it done. Uh, a lot of football left. No question. A lot of football left. You, you got a lot of football in you. Congratulations on a big game, man. Thank you. While the defense was stellar, the offense was a bit of a head scratcher. The Bengals opened the game with two long touchdown drives. Then 
really didn't do anything on their final eight possessions, not including a one-snap kneel down at the end of the game. The Bengals had 10 first downs on their first two drives, and at one point, Joe Burrow completed 15 straight passes. But if not for Cam Taylor-Britt's third-quarter interception and a 24-yard run back that gave Cincinnati the ball in Seattle territory, the Bengals didn't cross the 50-yard line the rest of the day. Here's center Ted Karras with Lap. Defense won the football game today. Let's let's give a lot of shout-out to them. The, the story going into bye week should be our defense is elite, like they've been for a long time. Um, won the game for us today. I thought we did some good stuff in the first half. Didn't really get much going in the second. But, um, you know, that's a good football team. That's a playoff football team coming into town. Uh, really, really grateful to even up our record going into a week off. Um, kudos to the D. I mean, as much as, I'll say that as much as I can this week. That was an unbelievable performance by them. I mean, they're backs against the wall on the 10-yard line three times in a row to win the game. So three drives in a row, really, to win the game. So um, that's unbelievable. We want to be able to do a little bit more for them. Um, situational run game, poor on us. Uh, thought we did a good job protecting, though. Thought we had a, a pretty solid day against a really, really good front. I mean, that's a good group over there. That's a Pete Carroll defense uh, with a Hall of Fame Mike linebacker. So, um, you know, glad we did enough to win. Still some things to work on. We're going to take a good look at ourselves this week, get some rest. Um, get ready to go uh, out to San Fran, uh, which is going to be a big one. So the first two possessions go exceedingly well. And then did they do anything different? Did they make any halftime adjustments or uh, extraordinary? Or was it just not quite just a tickoff execution-wise for the offense? What was the deal there, do you um, think, Ted? I'm sure they made some adjustments. I mean, that's also Hall of Fame coach over there. Uh, I think probably the main thing, I'll, I'll look at the film, they probably went from more of a too-high shell to, to playing, uh, you know, Middle field closed, blitzing a little bit more. Uh, they blitzed Bobby quite a bit. Um, but overall, solid performance. I mean, left, left, left some things on there in offense, and, you know, we're going to continue to improve. But uh, kudos to the defense. Unbelievable performance. Really proud of these guys. Really, what a relief to get a win, even up our record to 500 going into a week off. No question. What does it mean to go into the bye at 500? It means I can go to my dad's game uh, a little bit happier. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy the bye week. Thank you. Go Knights. Ted's dad is the head coach at Marion University, an NAIA school in Indianapolis. The Knights are 6-0 and this year. Cam Taylor Britt was not the only Bengal to have a memorable birthday. Andre Yosivash also turned 24 on Sunday and scored the Bengals' second touchdown on a three-yard pass from Joe Burrow. After Andre got off the phone with Peter King for Peter's Football Morning in America column, I spent a few minutes with the rookie from Princeton. Andre Yosivash caught his first NFL touchdown pass, at least in the regular season. I remember when you caught one in the preseason, you yeah. said, this one doesn't count until yeah. it's regular season. How did that feel today? Yeah, I felt awesome. You know, at first, I didn't know if it was going to stand or not because uh, they threw a flag, but you know, they, they, they said it was a touchdown, and I almost, I mean, I started to tear, a little, tear up a little bit once I, once I started, after I was done dancing with T. Uh, 
But it was, it was a great time. You know, it was a scramble drill. You know, you mm -hmm. work on that a lot, especially, you know, Joe Burrow. He can extend plays a bunch, so you always got to be ready. And he was actually nice enough to get me the ball after, you know, because uh, I completely forgot about it. But, you know, that's the kind of guy he is, super thoughtful. So I was just really appreciative of that. Yeah, he made a mad dash into the end zone to make sure that that ball was recovered. Yeah, yeah, he did. And then I, I honestly completely forgot about it, and then he came up to me with the ball. And so it just shows, you know, how, how thoughtful he is. So as you mentioned, he extended the play from your perspective. When do you realize, all right, he's buying time, I've got to do something to get open? Yeah, I mean, you look at him, um, you know, my route took a little bit longer than it would have taken in the first place, so I already knew that there's a possibility of being a scramble. I look at him, and he's already out of the pocket, so I tried to just find a hole, and, you know, at that point, you're just kind of, you're just looking to see where something's open, and, you know, lucky enough, he just put it right on me, and I, I was able to score. He wasn't able to do that much in the first four games because of his calf. We've seen a lot of it now in the last two weeks. Yep. How important is that specifically in the red zone? Yeah, it's super important because, you know, there's such a short field to work with, especially when you're in the red zone that, you know, sometimes plays need to be extended. You know, you need that extra factor for it to work because um, you're so confined. So it brings, it brings a different dimension to the offense for sure. Let's talk about the defense for a moment. Four times in the second half, Seattle had it in the low red zone and yep. got one field goal. As you're watching that, yeah. how nerve-wracking is it? What's going through your mind? Yeah, I mean, it, it's... I get nervous a little bit, but there's something about that defense that you know they're going to pull something out, you know what I mean? Like, you always know they're all dogs in that defense. They're all ready to make a play. And so you're, I'm nervous, but I'm also confident at the same time. So it's like a weird feeling that I don't really know how to explain. Yeah, the crowd was into it. Uh, the place was rocking. It was pretty uh, remarkable when the yeah. defense kept making stop after stop. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, you know, they put us on their back. Um, and it's just nice to see that we have the defense to rely on, especially if, you know, the offense is down or something something else happens. And I love those guys for making all those plays. Congrats on the TD. Glad you got the ball. Congrats mm -hmm. on the win as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. The Bengals Booth Podcast is brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By AltaFiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. And by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. With Sunday's win, the Bengals kept pace in the AFC North with Baltimore and Cleveland. The Ravens are alone in first place at 4-2 and two after beating the Titans in London 24-16. Justin Tucker kicks six field goals in the win. And speaking of field goals, the Browns didn't have quarterback Deshaun Watson on Sunday and yet went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the 5-0 49ers. Cleveland led by two with nine seconds to go when San Francisco rookie Jake Moody took the field to attempt a 41-yard field goal. Here's Niners radio voice, Greg Papa. Here we go. If he makes the kick, the 49ers win. They're 6-0. If he misses the kick, the 49ers lose. It's that simple. Snap. Hold. Jake has it away. He has the distance, and it is no good. Jake Moody missed the kick, and the 49ers lose. Just pushed it out to the right the whole way. Wow. Wow, indeed. Cleveland ended San Francisco's 15-game regular season winning streak, and that's not all. Debo Samuel left the game with a shoulder injury, and Christian McCaffrey exited with an oblique injury. They're scheduled to get tested on Monday. The 49ers face the Vikings next week before hosting the Bengals in two weeks. Cleveland improved to 3-2 and two and pulled even with the Steelers, who had a bye this week. The Bengals are a game behind Baltimore, 
and a half game behind Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Now, time for the Radio Guys Recap. Lap, this game featured one of the great red zone defensive performances I've ever seen in my life. Seattle had the ball six times in the second half. On four of those drives, they were inside the 10. They got three points. Amazing. I mean, five red zone possessions on the day. They get 10 points out of a total. Two points per red zone possession. Their low red zone defense was phenomenal. Think of all the snaps. I mean, they had to have 15 snaps in the low red zone easily, and they didn't give up any points. I mean, it was they did get a touchdown in their first red zone drive, but then interception, then they settled for field goal, and then two back-to-back possessions where they lose the ball on downs. Three of their five possessions, they get no points. That's just mind-boggling to do it in a game like that. Um, it was a low-scoring defensive struggle. The Bengals did score two touchdowns in their two red zone uh, possessions to start the football game. The game was won in the red zone. <laughs> There's no doubt about it, and particularly in the low red zone. And to me, it's always interesting to see, you know, every red zone drive is a little bit different. A lot of these, it was like first and goal at the five or the four, and whether it was a penalty or a sack or something, Seattle would get driven back, and then the defense would come through when they had to. Yeah, and, and when you look at it, I mean, Geno Smith, it seemed like he was holding the ball forever, and the coverage never broke down. You know, he could never find any place to put the football, and, um, you know, that kind of coverage will lead to quarterback sacks. Sometimes the pressure led to big plays on the other end defensively when he put the ball in spots where he normally doesn't do it. He does normally keep the ball out of harm's way. Uh, he had some issues in that regard a little bit uh, today, but uh, it was it was amazing. Uh, how well they played defensively, and Lou Anarumo was mixing it up, you know, on the back end with his coverages and his blitz packages and his combinations and everything that goes along with it. And I think he had Geno Smith thinking too much. I mean, Geno this year watching tape on him, he he seems to get off of a bad potential read right away. Well, he he wasn't he wasn't getting off of it as quickly, and he, when he went to something else, it was just as bad. I mean, he was having problems figuring out what the hell to do with the football. Sam Hubbard has been a great two-way defensive end throughout his NFL career. Not thought of around the league as a tremendous pass rusher, but he was today five quarterback hits and a key sack. Incredible. And really, you've got to tip your cap to him. I mean, he is a guy, we've talked about his motor. It's nonstop. Um, he's in overdrive. He, he doesn't put it in drive. He puts it in overdrive and keeps it there. He's a, you know unbelievably well-conditioned athlete. Um, his body's his temple. There's no doubt about that. And for him to do a lot of the things that he does, um, was, I mean, Lou Anarumo will use him as a chess piece, drop him into coverage. Uh, he'll put, use him as a spy on mobile quarterbacks at the linebacker position. I mean, there's not very much that Sam Hubbard can't do. And, uh, and he's a guy that teammates know no matter what, he's going to be there. And he's going to be there doing the right thing where he's supposed to be, when he's supposed to be there, doing exactly what he's supposed to do, and his teammates can just check all those boxes and they don't have to worry about Sam Hubbard. 94 is getting it. So the Bengals' first two possessions were great. 13 plays, 69 yards, touchdown. Seven plays, 73 yards, touchdown. And then the offense was anemic after that. I don't think they had more than one first drive in any possession after that. Yeah, first downs were hard to come by. There's no no question about it. And asking guys in the locker room, did they make adjustments or was it just 
in inefficiency in terms of execution offensively, you know, we're just to tick off. And I guess probably uh, what I derived from answers given kind of a combination of both, you know, it was um, they, they, Seattle definitely started muddy in the middle of the field a little bit more than they had been, it sounds like. And, um, you know, maybe didn't give as much ground in that in that middle of the of the field as they as they had been, but you know that's a that's a playoff caliber football team. There's no question about that, uh, and you know that, that that's a big win. I mean that that's a that's a good victory to get to beat the Seattle Seahawks under any conditions and circumstances. Three and zero against the NFC West, zero and three against everybody else. That's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it's absolutely nuts. Um, the, the, the wins, the wins all count. But man, it'd be nice to get one against the AFC because um, you know tiebreakers and all that sort of thing. That's uh, that's what we're looking at. But the next game is the final component of the of the NFC West. You, you get four of them in a five week span. It seems like it's crazy, but and Cleveland proved that they're mortal. You know, I mean they're they're now they played up in Cleveland and Bengals have to travel to San Francisco and we know that uh, playing here was definitely beneficial for the defense in the red zone and low red zone. The crowd was into it. It's tougher to execute on the road. Uh, communication becomes an issue, all those things. You just don't feel as comfortable and as crisp, you know, when you're when you're dealing with all of those variables and all those things, and I think it showed up today. So at one point during the game today, they put up on the video board the mile per hour that the fastest players had run during the course of the game, whoever had been time fastest on the GPS. Joe Burrow is up there for one of his scrambles. He ran 19 miles an hour. I think we have definitive proof that the calf is in pretty good shape now with an extra a week to rest. No question. And two weeks before he has to play another game, you know, it's like he'll get a lot of rest this week uh, and then have the weekend off and then, you know, get, get into a normal practice again, practice habits. And um, I don't anticipate him having any issues during practice. Uh, and then, you know, go out to San Francisco and, and try to uh, whoop up on the 49ers. Man, do I ever hope we beat the 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> Got some bad memories about that team. Oh, man, I can't stand those uniforms. I don't know. If I, if I vomit in the, in the, uh, in the booth, it has, it, don't take it personally. It's just all about San Francisco. <laughs> I'll bring a bucket just to be safe. Uh, good radio show karma continues. Cam Taylor Britt joined, uh, joined us last Wednesday night on our game plan show and had a huge interception and 23-yard run back to set up Cincinnati's only points in the second half. Exactly. I mean, that field goal was him. Uh, the offense didn't move it an inch. And uh, that's when you, when you can get return yards like that, I mean, the three, the three uh, interceptions that Seattle had coming into this football game, they had 150-plus return yards. Two of them were for touchdowns. Another one was over 20 yards. So, I mean, you're, they're scoring points the offense didn't have to worry about. Then you're giving up, you're, you're generating first downs the offense didn't have to worry about in terms of hidden yards. And Cam Taylor-Britt did, did the same thing for this offense when it was struggling uh, to do anything. And uh, it turned out to be a big, big factor in the football game scoring those points. Two straight, three out of four. Bring on the 49ers in two weeks. Bring on the 49ers. Rest, relax, recuperate, all those R's and go out and rip the 49ers' butts. <laughs> Lap, of course, played in the Bengals' first Super Bowl loss to San Francisco and was in the broadcast booth for the second. The Bengals did come away with a win the last time they played in San Francisco. Now, time for this week's Fun Facts segment 
where you get to know the person under the pads. Time for some fun facts with cornerback DJ Turner. After your first practice in Cincinnati, we discussed your real first name, Juan Drago. You are Juan Drago II. And you said, at some point here in Cincinnati, everybody will call me by some version of that. So what are your teammates and coaches calling you? Um, I've gotten Drago. Uh, the most common one right now is Drago. A couple people call me Juan. Um, a couple people call me Juan Drago. Uh, Dre joked around called me Dragon. So, um, yeah, I've gotten a lot of different versions of it so already. I already knew it was going to happen, though. So if you have a son someday, will he be Juan Drago the third? Yeah, that's the plan. That's definitely the plan. We're visiting with D.J. Turner. You were the Bengals' second-round draft pick this year. Miles Murphy was the first. And in one of the great coincidences of all time, mm. your dad was childhood friends with Miles' mom. He attended her wedding. They've remained friends over the years. How often did you two guys see each other growing up? We saw each other every once in a while, um, but, you know, we both were so busy with football and recruiting and stuff like that. So, you know, we'll see each other every once in a while. We play against each other, something like that. So it was it was mainly more like football events and stuff like, you know, in that type, type of environment. So I think many people have heard of the name Ray Buchanan, former Pro Bowl cornerback, had a 12-year NFL career. You started working with him at an early age. How did that come about? I forgot how it came about, but, yeah, I started working with him basically my – freshman or sophomore year, uh, definitely sophomore year of high school. And, yeah, uh, I forgot exactly how it came about, but, yeah, I went to him, and, yeah, I've been going to him basically ever since. It's pretty advanced training for a, a young kid who aspires to be a cornerback. Yeah, yeah, it definitely installed a lot of stuff earlier into me. How did you gravitate to defense as opposed to trying to score touchdowns with your athletic ability? Uh, I didn't want to depend on the quarterback. That's, that's really all. That's really all I came down to. I didn't want to depend on the quarterback, so yeah. When you catch their passes now, you can turn them into pick sixes. Yeah, exactly. That's how you know. That's how I looked at it. We're chatting with DJ Turner in your senior year of high school. You elected to attend the IMG Academy, which is a prep school that has a great program for aspiring athletes. I've always been fascinated by the IMG Academy. It, it seems like an Olympic village to me. There are tennis and golf prodigies, football, basketball, baseball, etc. What was that experience like, and how did it prepare you for the future? Uh, yeah, it definitely was good. Um, IMG basically is college. Uh, that's really what it is. Um, it definitely gets you prepared for the next step, and you're playing against the best people in the country. So it definitely is a good thing. Speaking of college, you could have gone anywhere, Alabama, Notre Dame, Florida, you name it. You chose to go to Michigan. Did you enjoy the recruiting process, or did you find it stressful? I wouldn't say either, though. I mean, it was cool, you know, to know colleges wanted to go, you know, I had that many offers. But it got to the point in time where I was kind of tired of it. Um, and so, you know, really just narrowed it down to a few schools and, yeah, just chose Michigan. And, yeah, it was the best decision for me. I heard you tell a story about Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh that I'm hoping you will repeat. There is apparently a whiteboard sign in his office that is the result of a conversation he had with your dad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before I committed, my dad said he, his son Jack, he had Coach Harbaugh has a son named Jack, and he said, I want you to treat DJ like how you treat your son Jack. And so he wrote that on the whiteboard like when I was a recruit and – to this day, is still on his whiteboard. 
So you were there at Michigan for four years, and every time you'd walk into his office, you would see what he wrote down as a result of that conversation with your dad. Yeah, actually. It's pretty good stuff. So in your final two years at Michigan, the team was great. You qualified for the college football playoff both times. You beat Ohio State in back-to-back years. And the first win over Ohio State ended an eight-game head-to-head losing streak against the Buckeyes. What was the euphoria like after that game when you were part of the team that ended that streak? Oh, man, it was great. Um, yeah, it was definitely a great feeling. You know, that, that game is is huge. Uh, it's a lot, of line, a lot on the line for that game. So to, you know, change the dynamic of what's been going on or what was happening in the past uh, previous games, that was a great feeling. How do you feel about Buckeyes? Uh, I mean, I don't really know what to say about that. I mean, Mission got to beat them. That's all that's <laughs> I feel about them. As long as the Wolverines triumph, you're a happy man. Yeah. So you left school with one year of eligibility remaining for the NFL. And at the NFL Scouting Combine, you ran the fastest 40-yard dash of anybody, 4.26. When you crossed the finish line and saw the time up on the board, what went through your mind? I, I knew I was going to run that. So, I mean, I, I was going to try to run another one to break, try to break the record, but it just wasn't the best what kind of stuff was going on. So, uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, that was, that was I wasn't surprised or anything. I, I knew I was going to run that. All right, let's do some wild card topics now with DJ Turner. Who was your favorite athlete in any sport growing up? LeBron, easy. Yeah, LeBron James, I was always. Do you consider him to be the greatest player of all time? Yes, easy. That was not even a debate for me. So the Michael Jordan uh, argument carries no weight with you? No, not at all. I mean, but I mean, obviously Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, but for me. No. Is there anything you're really bad at? Bad at? I don't draw. So I'd probably say drawing would be the worst task I have. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really draw a lot. Stick figures are about the extent of it? Yeah, yeah. I'm a stick figure type guy. Join the club. I'm right there with you. What do you like to spend your money on? I mean, I'll get clothes. I'll buy stuff for my dog, like stuff like that. So my video games. You know, my like streaming setup, stuff like that. So I'll say like those type things. How long have you had a dog? What type of dog do you have? And what is his or her name? Um, I got a dog. That was the first thing I did with my signing bonus. And uh, so as soon as I, the first day we got out of OTAs, I got my dog. And uh, all white Siberian Husky. And I named her Island. Sounds like a, a beautiful dog. Do you have any especially meaningful tattoos? Yeah, I actually have a lot of tattoos. Um, they all mean something. So, that, I mean, every tattoo I have means something on me. All part of your life story? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. All right, final fun fact with DJ Turner. This one's a little bit deep. If you could meet anybody in history, who would that person be? Uh, I mean, I, I of course, I want to meet Jesus when he came. Um, that... I want to meet Malcolm X. Now, those would be probably my top two. All right. Appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Best of luck the rest of the year. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, brought to you by Paycor, proud to be the Bengals' official HR software provider. By Alta Fiber, future-proof fiber internet designed to elevate your home, business, and community to a new level. 
and by Kettering Health, the best care for the best fans. Kettering Health is the official health care provider of the Bengals. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast, and if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.